0: Welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman, and this morning I'm joined by Linda Carlisle. It's Monday, July 3rd, 2023. In this episode, we will talk about the largest strike in the history of hotel workers in Southern California, musicians declining festival offers due to rising costs, the family of a French teenager calling for a change in the law regarding police use of lethal force, the UK Treasury Committee launching an inquiry into challenges faced by small businesses seeking finance and the Israeli military operation in the West Bank, resulting in the deaths of Palestinians. Story number one. Thousands of hotel workers in Southern California have gone on strike, demanding higher pay and better benefits. The workers, including cooks, room attendants, dishwashers, servers, bellmen, and front desk agents, are picketing outside major hotels in Los Angeles and Orange counties. The strike, which is being described as the largest in the union's history, comes as the tourist season is beginning. According to The Guardian, the union, Unite Here Local 11, is seeking improved wages, healthcare benefits, pension contributions, and workloads. They are asking for an immediate $5 hourly wage increase and an annual $3 boost for the duration of their three-year contract. The union also wants to establish a hospitality workforce housing fund to assist workers with the high cost of living in the area. Contracts for more than 60 hotels, including Marriott and Hilton Properties, expired at midnight on Friday. The strike affects about half of the 32,000 hospitality workers represented by the union. Talks with other hotels have reached a stalemate, with the hotels accusing the union of refusing to engage in productive negotiations. The last major strike by hotel workers occurred in 2018 and lasted over two months before a contract deal was reached, as reported by The Guardian. Would you believe it, Linda? A massive strike by hotel workers in Southern California right at the start of the 4th of July extended holiday weekend. It's a strategic move, hitting the hospitality industry when it's about to be at its busiest. I mean, it's a classic union move, right? They're demanding better pay, improved benefits, and less strenuous workloads. Can't say I blame them.
1: Absolutely, Mark. It's a clear indication of the growing frustrations among workers, especially in the face of rising living costs in greater Los Angeles. Many of these workers are commuting hours to their jobs because they can't afford to live near their workplaces. It's a struggle, to say the least. And it's not just about wages, it's about dignity and quality of life.
0: Right on, Linda. And it's worth noting that this isn't a small, isolated incident. We're talking about a strike that affects half of the 32,000 hospitality workers the union represents across Southern California and Arizona. It's a significant number. And it's not just the workers who are affected here, but also the tourism industry and the broader economy.
1: Indeed, Mark. And it's interesting to see how this echoes the 2018 strike where nearly 8,000 Marriott employees walked off the job in eight cities across the U.S. It seems like there's a pattern here, a systemic issue that needs to be addressed. It's not just about one hotel or one city, it's a nationwide concern.
0: That's a good point, Linda. And it's not just the workers who are speaking up but also some of the biggest names in the industry. A-list stars are showing that they're ready to strike. It's a powerful statement, and it's sure to put pressure on the industry to make some changes.
1: Yes, Mark. It's a clear signal that the status quo is not working and that change is needed. And it's not just about better pay and benefits, but also about fair treatment and respect. Strikes like these are a way for workers to voice their concerns and demand change. They're a crucial part of the democratic process.
0: Couldn't agree more, Linda. It's a tough situation, but hopefully it will lead to some positive changes for these workers. They deserve fair pay for their hard work, and it's high time that their concerns are addressed. Story number two. Musicians are declining offers to perform at festivals due to the rising costs of touring, as reported by The Guardian. The cost of staging a show has increased by 30%, while ticket prices have only risen by 15%. As a result, artists are losing money and smaller festivals are being cancelled. Brexit rules have also made touring more expensive. Many musicians are now performing solo or cutting back on equipment to reduce costs. The Association of Independent Festivals, AIF, has warned that over 100 UK festivals have closed permanently since the start of the pandemic. The AIF, as stated by The Guardian, is calling for a reduction in VAT to help alleviate the financial strain on festivals. Who would have thought we'd see the day when artists are actually losing money by performing at festivals? I mean, it's a real hit to the whole music industry. The cost of performing has skyrocketed, and it's not like the artists are seeing a proportional increase in their fees. It's a tough situation, no doubt about it.
1: Yes, Mark. It's quite disheartening. Musicians are being forced to make difficult decisions, like turning down offers to play or even cutting out elements of their live shows. It's not just about the money— It's about the art form. This financial strain is impacting the quality and creativity of their performances.
0: Absolutely, Linda. And it's not just the big stars who are feeling the pinch. Smaller acts, who rely on these gigs for exposure and income, are also being hit hard. It's a real shame. I mean, festivals are an integral part of our culture. They bring people together and create unique experiences.
1: Indeed, Mark. And it's not just the artists who are affected. Festival organizers are also struggling. More than 100 UK festivals have permanently closed since the start of the COVID pandemic. The costs of staging a festival have risen by 30 percent, and ticket sales aren't covering these costs. It's a concerning trend.
0: And let's not forget the impact of Brexit. The new rules have made touring more expensive due to the cost of visas and cabotage rules on tour buses. It's just another hurdle for artists to overcome.
1: Yes, it's a complex issue with many contributing factors, but it's essential to remember the human impact. Artists are being forced to compromise their work and, in some cases, face online abuse for their decisions. This is not the environment we want to foster for creativity and expression.
0: You're spot on, Linda. It's a tough time for the music industry, but I'm an optimist. I believe that we can find solutions. Maybe it's about adapting to new models of performance. Or maybe it's about government stepping in to support the industry. Either way, we need to keep the music playing.
1: Well said, Mark. The music industry has faced challenges before and has always found a way to adapt and thrive. It's a testament to the resilience and creativity of the artists and everyone involved. Let's hope for a harmonious resolution soon.
0: Story number three. According to the BBC, the family of a French teenager who was shot by police has called for a change in the law regarding the use of lethal force during traffic stops. Nahel M. was fatally shot by police after failing to stop for a traffic check. The family has stated that they do not want his death to spark riots, but they believe that the law needs to be reviewed. France has experienced five days of violent rioting in response to Nahel's death. The family has called for better training for police officers, stricter regulation of police weapons, and a review of the law that allows officers to use lethal force in certain situations. Critics argue that the increase in traffic-related shootings is a result of a 2017 change in France's penal code, which broadened the use of firearms. So far this year, three people have been killed during police traffic stops, with most victims being of black or Arab origin. The family has expressed their desire for the violence to end so that they can have a moment to remember Nahel. Nahel's grandmother has also called for an end to the violence and criticized rioters for using his death as an excuse. Can't help but feel troubled by the situation in France. The death of Nahel M., a teenager shot by the police during a routine traffic stop, has sparked a wave of protests and riots across the country. It's a stark reminder of how the use of lethal force by law enforcement can escalate situations and lead to a severe breakdown of trust between the police and the communities they serve. This isn't just a French issue, it's a global one.
1: Absolutely, Mark. And it's not just about the tragic loss of a young life, but also the ripple effects it has on the community. The family's plea for peaceful protests, for instance, is a call for change, not violence. They want better training for the police— Stricter weapons regulation, and a review of the law that allows police to use lethal force during traffic stops. These are all valid points that need urgent attention.
0: Right, Linda. And it's worth noting how the 2017 change in France's penal code, which allowed for a broader use of firearms by the police, is being linked to an increase in traffic-related shootings. Critics argue that the law is too vague leaving too much to the officer's discretion to determine whether a driver's refusal to comply poses a risk this lack of clarity can contribute to situations escalating quickly
1: indeed mark it's a delicate balance between ensuring the safety of law enforcement officers and protecting the rights of individuals the racial aspect of this cannot be ignored either many of the victims of these incidents as reported by reuters have been of black or arab origin This points to a larger issue of racial profiling and systemic racism within the law enforcement system, which needs to be addressed.
0: Well said, Linda. It's a complex issue with no easy solutions. But one thing is clear. There needs to be more accountability and transparency in law enforcement. And this isn't just about changing laws or improving training. It's also about changing attitudes and fostering a culture of respect and understanding between the police and the communities they serve.
1: I couldn't agree more, Mark. It's about building trust, and that starts with acknowledging the problem and taking concrete steps to address it. Changes in legislation, improved training, and increased accountability are all part of the solution. But at the heart of it all, there needs to be empathy and understanding. Only then can we hope to prevent such tragic incidents in the future.
0: Story number four. The UK Treasury Committee of MPs has launched an inquiry into the challenges faced by small businesses when seeking finance, as reported by The Guardian. The inquiry will examine the ease of access to finance for small firms, the role of financial innovation and the regulation of small business lending. This comes as borrowing costs soar and the Bank of England raises interest rates. The committee will investigate the impact of the bank's term funding scheme, credit reference agencies, government support for firms, and the role of the British Business Bank. The inquiry will also explore if securing finance is particularly challenging for women, people from ethnic minorities, or from specific social backgrounds. Should we start, Linda? This issue of small businesses struggling to secure finance, it's a big problem, you know. These businesses are the backbone of our communities, driving economic growth and innovation. It's concerning to see the pressure they're under, especially with borrowing costs skyrocketing.
1: Absolutely, Mark. It's not just about the business aspect, it's about the people behind these businesses. Many of them are from diverse backgrounds, and it's alarming to think that access to finance could be even more challenging for women, ethnic minorities, or people from certain social backgrounds. This issue touches on social justice, too, and it's crucial that we find solutions that are equitable and inclusive.
0: Couldn't agree more, Linda. And you know, it's not just about providing the finance, it's about providing the right kind of finance. I'm talking about financial innovation here. We need to look at alternative lending solutions that can help these businesses thrive, not just survive. The role of credit reference agencies and the support available from the government, these are all pieces of the puzzle.
1: Indeed, Mark. And let's not forget about the role of government in improving access to small business finance. The bank's term funding scheme and the British Business Bank, they were steps in the right direction. But with the closure of new borrowing under the term funding scheme, we need to reassess and reevaluate. We need to ask ourselves, how effective have these interventions been? And where do we go from here?
0: Right on, Linda. And let's not forget about the elephant in the room, the rising interest rates. It's like a flashback to the 2008 financial crisis. We need to learn from the past and make sure we're not repeating the same mistakes. It's time to have a serious conversation about regulation in the sector and how we can support these businesses in a sustainable way.
1: Absolutely, Mark. And this conversation needs to be inclusive, taking into account the experiences and challenges faced by all small businesses, regardless of who's at the helm. We need to ensure that the financial landscape is not only accessible, but also equitable. It's a complex issue, but one that we can't afford to ignore.
0: Story number five. Israeli forces carried out a military operation in the West Bank city of Janin, resulting in the deaths of at least three Palestinians. According to The Guardian, the Israeli military stated that the operation targeted a building used as a command center by fighters from the Janin brigades, describing it as part of a broader counter-terrorism effort. Witnesses reported hearing gunfire and explosions throughout the city, with drones also present in the area. The raid highlights the ongoing violence in the West Bank where militant groups such as Hamas and Islamic Jihad are based. The incident comes amid mounting international concern over the escalating violence in the region. Why in the world are we seeing this escalation in the West Bank, especially in Janine? It's like we're back in the early 2000s with drone strikes and all. The Israeli forces claim that they're targeting a command center for Palestinian fighters. But the collateral damage, Linda, it's concerning. There's always a better way than violence.
1: Mark, I understand your point, but let's not forget the context here. The Israeli forces are dealing with a complex situation. There's an array of militant groups operating out of Janine, including Hamas and Islamic Jihad. These groups pose a significant threat to the security of Israel. It's a difficult balance to strike between ensuring national security and avoiding civilian casualties.
0: I get that, Linda. I really do. But the question remains, is an air-based strike the best way to handle this? The city is in chaos. There's gunfire, explosives, drones overhead. It's a war zone. And let's not forget the potential for misuse of drone warfare. It's a slippery slope, Linda.
1: True, Mark. But we also need to consider the alternatives. Ground operations could potentially lead to even more casualties and destruction. And let's not forget the use of drones in other conflict zones around the world. They have proven to be effective in certain situations. It's complicated, Mark. There's no easy solution here.
0: I agree, Linda. It's complicated. But we can't ignore the fact that peace talks have been frozen since 2014. There's a need for dialogue, for negotiation. We can't just keep resorting to violence. It's a never-ending cycle.
1: Yes, Mark. Peace talks are crucial. But they also require willingness from both parties. As much as we hope for peace, we need to acknowledge the reality on the ground. It's a tough situation, Mark, and there are no easy answers.
0: That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow.
1: Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.